Hello everyone and welcome to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I'm your host Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. Primetime brought to you by our friends over at FreemanMazda.net. And the ride of the week is none other than the Mazda CX-5 2.5S. It's got all of the features that we've talked in other Freeman Mazda vehicles like Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, backup camera, heated seats, but it also comes with adaptive cruise control and the feature that I love, Wi-Fi hotspot. It starts at $29,125. We'll talk more about it uh, later on the show. Thank you to FreemanMazda.net for sponsoring uh, Primetime, of course, and ADC Sports Dallas. But anyways, tonight... We will talk about Mike McCarthy and what he had to say on Micah Parsons. We will talk about an X factor for Micah that I believe we have not discussed enough regarding the entire Cowboys defense. We will talk more about that later and sort of how it impacts in a potential regression for the Cowboys defensively in 2022 and how that X factor could help battle that for the Cowboys and Bobby Wagner signed by the LA Rams. We will also get into that in a few moments. What is up, Michael? Uh, Ryan Thomas Smith over at Facebook. Jeff Clark as well. Shout out uh, to Bic in the YouTube chat. Sin City Cowboy. Thank you guys for being here. Do me a favor. Hit the like button and share the show. Every like allows us to put primetime in front of more Cowboys fans and we can continue to grow the community here on ADC Sports Dallas. Mike McCarthy had to say a lot about Michael Parsons and the ongoing debate that is taking place among Cowboys Nation. Is Michael Parsons that versatile player or is he destined to become a full-time edge rusher because of the elite level that he showed when doing so, rushing the passer, last year as a rookie a lot of people have asked them, themselves that question McCarthy had an answer for us via the Dallas Cowboys website and this is from David Hellman the Twitter legend Mike McCarthy and I quote said the people that say hey why don't you play him at defense event very fair that's a very fair question said Mike McCarthy but we've made it clear we want him moving around he would go on to add, it would be very easy to just line him, line him up and, at end and play him there every down. But the fact of the matter is, he had what? 13 sacks, 7 came from the linebacker position, and 6 from the defensive end position. So I wouldn't call this a surprise, but I would call this a confirmation by the Dallas Cowboys that moving Micah Parsons to edge rusher as, a, as his full-time responsibility is something that the Cowboys are not even going to explore. And I, for one, love that decision by the Dallas Cowboys. I know that a lot of people will say rushing the passer is one of the most important things that you need to have on your defense. And if it takes my, uh, playing Mike Parsons at that role, then do it. I understand people that make that argument, but hey, Micah Parsons and his versatility are one of the biggest reasons 
why the Cowboys ranked in the top three defensively in the NFL last year. Bruce says he needs to be an X-factor moving all over the field. Kenneth said uh, he's, a, he's a versatile player and will stay that way in 2022. I want to gauge what Cowboys Nation thinks on this show. So I want to I hear if someone thinks otherwise or if someone agrees with what McCarthy is saying. So the question to open the show is, if it was your call, would Parsons be a full-time edge rusher or would he be a chess piece on your defense? If it was your call, so forget about predicting what the Cowboys will do, which feels pretty evident after Mike McCarthy chimed in and talked about Michael Parsons' role, what would your call be? While you give me your answers, and before I give you mine, you already low-key know mine, let me talk to you about our friends over at FreemanMazda.net. Check out their, their website, The Ride of the Week. And this is the final show that I get to talk about the Mazda CX-5 for now because yeah, it's the final primetime show of the week. Mazda CX-5 2.5S. It's got Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, backup camera, comes with heated seats, adaptive cruise control, and the Wi-Fi hotspot. I just love this feature. I've been saying it all week long. I don't care. But a Wi-Fi hotspot on your car, now that's a game changer in my opinion, guys. Don't And you guys know I'm not lying. Uh, it starts at $29,125. FreemanMazda.net, family-owned business for over 65 years. So they've got experience. They've got the customer service. Check out Freeman Mazda for all your vehicle needs. They also have used vehicles, new vehicles. So make sure you check that out. That's the right of the week, Mazda CX-5 2.5S over at FreemanMazda.net. Some of your answers. Let's see. Uh, I'm good with Micah moving around, says Keenan. Uh, let's see. Gregory says, me too. Kenneth Fraser says, Glad he's staying versatile. Burner account say, says, uh, Mo, this is from the same staff that said they used data analytics and would adjust the, the scheme to get the best players and lied. Yeah, you never know. You, you never know for sure, right? Parsons needs to be a chess piece. Sin City says chess piece easily, too versatile. Uh, chess piece for Robert Chuk. Jeff Clark says, definitely moving around. So, hey, I was wondering if someone was going to try to play devil's advocate and said, you know what? Rushing the passer is just too darn important, so let's keep him over at end. But no, the chat unanimously is voting for... Uh, is voting for... Michael Parsons to be a chess piece. People are talking about the Hellcat over in the in the chat. The vehicle? That's interesting. Uh, a beast of a car says Tom Downey burner account answering to Charlene Evans over there in the in the chat. Uh, Craig is the first with the devil advocates position. I like it. He says should have stayed at defensive end. Michael says, defensive end for me as well. Hey, so you know what? We've got two comments voting for uh, defensive end. 
for Michael Parsons, which surprises me. Now, I like what my I, I'm all for having Michael Parsons be the versatile player because Michael Parsons showed you what he can do in coverage versus the run from an off-ball linebacker spot. I'm still surprised by the times that we saw him drop into coverage as your old-school Tampa 2 sort of linebacker just shooting upfield to a deep zone. That's something that not a lot of linebackers can do. I can live with what Burner Account just said in the chat. He says, both answers are right, though. Like, if, if maybe the Cowboys wanted to keep Parsons at edge, you wouldn't fully blame them because of what he can do as a rusher. But I'm all for keeping him. I think that if you want to use 100% of Michael Parsons, you need to let him do his thing. And you need to change his assignments week to week, depending on who you are facing and things of the sort. Now, here's the thing, though. I like another part of the Mike McCarthy quotes over at the Dallas Cowboys website. Towards the end of Hellman's article, he says, I know as an offensive guy, you're helping me. If you can line him up at one position every time. So it also has to do with the predictability of the defense. When we talk about how predictable a team is, we tend to talk about offense. Rarely do we dive into how predictable a defense might be. And I was interested in this topic because if the Cowboys want to remain a top defense in the NFL, they need to be unpredictable. And here's a question for you guys. Defensive regression has been a big topic in the NFL media for the last few years because people have found, analysts, data analysts have found that it's more difficult to be successful on a long period of time on defense that it's more hard to do so as opposed to on offense. So the argument is you will experience more regression on defense that you would if you have a top-tier offense in the NFL. So knowing that, here's a question for you guys in the chat. Truth or false? Cowboys will remain a top-five defense in 2022 because make no mistake about it, the Cowboys were not only good defensively, they were actually pretty elite in last year because they were top three in the league in EPA per play. That's defensive EPA per play. Now, not only that, some people would argue they were just a good defense because they were lucky and they took the ball away from opponents. That's also false because the Cowboys were not only a top unit in EPA, but also in success rate. And that doesn't measure the weight of a particular play, like an interception. Like if you get a stop in the running game or you get a pick six, it's the same. It's a successful play. So success rate doesn't put weight into how big of a play it was. It just measures if it was a good play or a bad play. And the Cowboys were a top three unit in success rate as well. So truth or false, the Cowboys will remain a top five defense in 2022. Sin City Cowboy goes with truth. 
Robert Chuk goes with Truth, Gregory as well. Michael says falls because they will not have as many turnovers. Kind of got ahead of, of, of Michael there, but hey, wait for my answer though. Wait for my answer. Uh, Burner counts as false. Nicholas says not a top defense without another stud defense event, which is definitely something that we need to, to watch out for if the Cowboys will get another edge rusher or not to fill in, truly fill in for Randy Gregory. Here's my answer. My answer is false. Before you come at me, though, my answer is false, but I will tell you why I have faith that the Cowboys can prove me wrong. The reason why I say false is because I would say this about just about any other team around the NFL. This is the top five, defensively speaking, of the past four seasons in the league. And as you can see, it is quite difficult to be up there consistently. In 2021, you had the Bills, the Saints, the Cowboys, the Patriots, and the Bucks. In 2020, only the Bucks and the Saints rank in, ranked in the top five in this category. And you go back to 2019, and you can see the Bills there that didn't find a way to remain there in 2020. But they, hey, the Bills are were in there, uh, up there in three of these four years. But in general, you see teams that climb up to these rankings, like the 49ers in 2019, like the Steelers in, in 2019 and 2020. Uh, you've had the Vikings in 2018, the Bears, and then they don't make it back to the top five defensively. I'm a believer on defensive regression. So this is not me being uh, a pessimist for the Cowboys defense entering next season. This is just me believing in the defensive regression phenomena. But I believe the Cowboys will still be a very good defense, whether that means top five, top 10, or even top eight, for example, somewhere in the middle, the top 25% of the league. I can see that happening. But if there's one thing that makes me believe, you know what, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Cowboys end up as a top five unit um, again. It's because of how unpredictable they were. And that includes letting Michael Parsons do his thing. I will get into the predictability side of things a little bit more in depth in just a few moments here. Uh, but what is up, Tommy915? Reset says, do that, and every offense knows exactly where he's coming from. Talking about uh, moving Parsons to defensive end. Michael says, move Parsons to defensive end, and yes, we will stay in the top five. My argument tonight for you guys is do the opposite. Let Micah do his thing, but also be as unpredictable as you can. And this is where we will get to the a little bit to the to the weeds in the mathematical world because PFF, Seth Galena, great analyst, he put together a study in which he said, you know what, I'm going to try to find a way to truly measure defensive predictability. And he arrived at something that he called the Shannon rating. And the Cowboys were a top three unit 
in this stat. And it's a stat unlike any other that I had seen before. I wanted to, sh to share it with you guys. So here you go. What Seth Galina from PFF decided to do was don't get scared by the formula. We will, we will break it down. Stunt rate. And I, I don't have the numbers for the Cowboys specifically, but the Cowboys used stunts in several key moments throughout the season. And Parsons was a huge part of that. He took stunt rate, uh, blitz rate. He used a, a stat that was called uh, Shannon Entropy, but I replaced it with uh, coverage predictability because, in other words, that's what he was measuring with uh, Shannon Entropy. I don't know what the formula for that was, but his goal with that was to, to know how much defenses would change up their coverages. I don't think that the Cowboys were super unpredictable on that side of things because they were one of the teams that played the most cover one in 2021. Actually, I think they were number one in the NFL in this category. And then something that's called play show rate, which uh, means how many times did your pre-snap pre look safety-wise was the same as your post-snap look. So, you know, a lot of teams with these guys would show a single high safety and then it, it ended up with two deep safeties. That's what play show rate tries to measure. Look at who's the number three. That's the Dallas Cowboys only behind the Miami Dolphins and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cowboys, Rams, Cardinals, and the Bucs, four of these top five teams had winning records in 2021 and were pretty good defenses. Miami had a run of top-tier defense late in the season. Do you guys remember that? So, hey, is there, if there is one reason, if there is one thing that makes me think, you know what, the Cowboys could very well remain in the top five, it's that that I believe Dan Quinn can keep this an unpredictable unit. But letting Michael Parsons do his thing, that's something that I believe needs to happen in order for the Cowboys to achieve this. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Let's see here. Some of your comments as well. T-Max says, we need to make this defense lit since the offense has taken huge hits. And that's, the, that's one of the most concerning things, I would say, that now we are, we are dying to see the Cowboys have a better defense because we are questioning how the offense will look like without Amari Cooper, without Lyle Collins. And I still have high hopes for the Cowboys offense because, as I said earlier this week, I think that quarterback play could still level up the Cowboys on offense. Uh, Nicholas says, Craig, he wanted to play for the Rams though. Oh, uh, regarding Bobby Wagner, we will uh, talk about that. <laughs> All right. I'm not trolling, so don't report me. I'm shouting you a few times only and the rest is watching. All right, that's cool. <laughs> I won't, don't worry, don't worry. All right, uh, let's see. <laughs> Damn. 
I don't know what's going on in the in the YouTube chat. I don't know what I uh I don't know what I should do because Tommy Tommy's asking me to to report someone here in the YouTube chat. I will hold on on that and then just get back to you. I hey, I'm I'm even I even got nervous. All right, moving Parsons at the D-line is a bad bad moves his team hall. He will get burnt and broke down by way bigger players than him on a very down situation, says uh, Team Hall. Stephen White is also confused. I, I'm betting the YouTube chat is, is confused. But anyways, we will move on to the Bobby Wagner topic now. Anyways, Bobby Wagner, officially the conversation is over, guys. The conversation about the Cowboys potentially getting... Uh, Bobby Wagner back, not back, excuse me, signed, is done. All but done. The Rams have signed him. It's a $10 million per year contract. Richard Sherman put it, I believe, in the most accurate way he could. He said, the rich get richer. Because the Cowboys, because the Rams, excuse me, who have signed and took, all right, you know what? I will address the situation really quick on YouTube. So, all right, we'll do the timeout thing and then I'll figure it out so we can get on with the show. Uh, I use the timeout fissure, which is not a full-time block, but you know, you never know. I, I will address that situation later. Anyways, did you expect Wagner to sign for over or under $10 million per year with the LA Rams. <laughs> Thank you, Mo. This dude just no LOL, says Stephen White. All right, we took care of it. We took care of it. Uh, but anyways, did you expect Wagner to sign for over or under $10 million per year? The rich get richer. The Rams now have, uh, you know, Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey on the same defense. While the discourse around the Cowboys offseason has been about the salary cap, the Rams continue to do their thing, getting players, forgetting about the salary cap, or at least pushing those concerns down the road into the future. Right at $10 million, says Michael, because of his age. Bruce also goes with the push. Gregory says over since it's the Rams. Over for Tommy. Sin City goes with over as well. T-Mac with the under. Uh, 10 to $11 million. Team Hall says way over. I expected over, to be honest, even with the age side of things. Now, let's be, let's be honest with ourselves. I don't know if the contract details are already out. If so, I have missed them. But there's no way that it's truly a 5 year commitment and i've talked about this before one thing is the length of the contract and the other is a real commitment that is behind the big numbers that they throw out in these reports because it's 50 million dollars for five years for bobby wagner with a value of up to 65 million now i don't think that Bobby Wagner, at his age, will play out that contract. Because Bobby Wagner is 31 years old. 
So by the time this is all said and done, that contract would be what? Uh, you know, and he will be 32 actually by the time the season starts because he turns 32 in June. So he will be what? 36, 37 on that final contract. Five-year, 10 million, says Michael Dury, uh, but three Boyd years. But are those Boyd years after the five years or three Boyd years out of those five years? I'm guessing the former. My Lord, says Barner account, that defense is stacked. Play Michael, uh, playmakers all over in every unit. T-Max says, I thought he would be somewhere around 9 with the market now. Oh, yeah. Tommy's 100% right here uh, in the YouTube chat as well. Sorry for the maybe the late response there. <laughs> but, yeah. The last three are voided. Three-year deal in reality. Says Tommy915. All right. Three-year deal in reality. So, yeah. I would have liked the Cowboys to sign him for 10 million per year, to be honest. Not that I was expecting them to. You guys know that here on Primetime, we were always skeptical about those reports and those uh, rumors of interest on Bobby Wagner. Interesting conversation, though, going around on Cowboys Twitter today and on Cowboys social media. People talking about, you know, the Rams way of doing things and how teams should not follow it blindly. I agree with that 100%. Do not conf uh, confuse the Rams model for your model. That's uh, something that we have talked about as well. Going all in has worked for the Rams, but also they've gotten a little bit lucky with a few different uh, things. I don't think there's one way to do things in the league. And I don't think that it's that the Cowboys should go all in, even though that would be fun to watch. But I think it's more about finding a balance. Like the Cowboys are just reluctant to sign players that are expensive in free agency. Not even talking about the biggest names of a free agency class. But they're just hunting for bargains each and every offseason. So you would like to see some sort of balance there. Because I do agree with people that say, you know what, just because the Rams won the Super Bowl does not mean that it's the right way to go about things for every team. It resulted that it was the case for the Rams, but they also had Sean McVay. They were winning and winning and winning over the last few years. Sean McVay knew exactly what he wanted. The Rams... Even with Jared Goff, we're among the best offenses in the league on a multi-year scale. So it's not that the, it's not that you want the Cowboys to be like the Rams. It's just that you want them to be a little bit more aggressive, even if that doesn't mean getting to the Rams level. Uh, let's see. I think that Dallas likes Wagner. Dallas felt like Wagner was a progress stopper with Jabril Cox. T-Mac say, uh, says, but we will give $10 million to a tight end. T-Mac, not only are you right, but you're also a little bit wrong because it's not even $10 million, It's $11 million, 10.9, right? So it, that, uh, to your point, it makes that suck a little bit uh, more. And I'm not against uh, franchise tagging Dalton Schultz. It's just the, not doing the, the Wagner thing too, though. 
<clears throat> the Rams had the right general manager and coach to make this work. Their competitive advantage, says Bernard Count. And hey, to go back to the beginning of the show, the Cowboys do need a linebacker. Badly. Because if the Cowboys plan is indeed to let Michael Parsons do his thing, which in my opinion is the correct way to use Michael Parsons, if that is his thing, you know, then you need a linebacker. Because you've got Leighton Vanderich. We're not, I don't think anyone is sure about Leighton Vanderich, even though I thought uh, getting him for, a, for one year at $3 million was a pretty good deal for the Cowboys. Jabril Cox, we have high hopes on him. He's still a player that we have not seen at all at the NFL level, defensively speaking. Like, we have not really seen what Jabril Cox's level is, and he's coming off from an ACL injury. And then you have a few other names at linebacker that shouldn't have Cowboys Nation feeling super confident. And sure, you can get one in the NFL draft, but also you're going to likely be looking at offensive linemen, wide receivers uh, early in the draft. You don't know for sure that you will get at one uh, linebacker early in the draft. I would have loved to see uh, the Cowboys sign Bobby Wagner. I don't know if they ha if they would have had to go higher because reports are that Bobby Wagner wanted to remain on, in the division. So you never know with those things. But I was expecting Bobby Wagner's average value per year to be higher. But we'll, we'll look into the contract details throughout the weekend for sure. Burner account says... Porter five forces. Hey, Burner account going with the advanced management class here. I really struggle to see what this team. Uh, all right, Burner account. All right, here's the question from a more complete standpoint. Do the Porter five forces on our franchise? What we, do we do well to separate us from the 31 other teams? So Burner account wants us to apply business lessons to the Dallas Cowboys. How do they create uh, differentiation, right? Cost. <laughs> you know, when you talk about Porter and the business theory behind the five forces, the way that the Cowboys want to achieve differentiation is just by building through the draft in a more cost-effective way. I don't approve what Samuel Rowe is saying in the YouTube chat, but it's funny. <laughs> Wagner should have came to us, says MJ. Cap spaces, Bruce got the use. Michael says, if all the offensive line are gone at 24, I would take one of the two linebackers if there. I don't know. That will depend on best player available. But to Michael's point, right now, if you ask me, what are the top three needs? For the Dallas Cowboys in 2022. You know what? I'm including linebacker. I am including linebacker for sure. I think that I would say offensive lineman, uh, specifically at left guard, that would be the biggest need. I think we all agree that that's the biggest need for the Cowboys right now because I am not confident in Connor McGovern. 
I would say linebacker, not necessarily in second place. And maybe edge rusher. Maybe edge rusher would be the, the other need. Because although I like Dante Fowler, Durance Armstrong, uh, Chauncey Goldston, Tyrell Basham, they are a rotation to me. That's how I look at them. That group is a rotation. But do the Cowboys have a top defense event to line up opposite of Demarcus Lawrence? I don't think they do. Ah, uh, good question from both from both uh, MJ and T Mac, saying basically, who's my dream pick at twenty four? That's a good question. I would say it's boring, maybe, but I do like Tyler Linderbaum a lot at 24th. And I know that's ironic because I just listed out my top three needs for the Cowboys, and those didn't include uh, a you know an offensive center because I wouldn't call center a need for the Cowboys. But if you can upgrade from Tyler Biadish uh, to, to Tyler Linderbaum, then I think that would go a long way. However, all right. So Burner account says Cal Hamilton. You know, Cal Hamilton is maybe a, a dream pick indeed. Well, that's like a crazy, impossible dream, right? In the words of Billy Joel, <laughs> dream on, but don't imagine they'll all come true. Cal Hamilton <laughs> is the one that I'm not imagining that it will come true, right? Uh, Tyler Linderbaum, however, I can see that happening. I can see Linderbaum being there at 24th. Cal Hamilton is, is not happening, Burner. I'm sorry. Uh, that guy's going to be, sounds like he's going to be a top 10 pick guaranteed. Now, if the board is wiped out, like we've talked about the offensive linemen, let's say none of them is there. Let's say the two linebackers are not there. And let's say that the wide receivers, like there's one left that the Cowboys don't really like a lot. One of my pet cats, and we even had a show about it the other day, would be Daxton Hill, the defensive safety. Although I realize that that would have to happen in a relatively wiped, up, uh, wiped out draft board. But Daxton Hill is an instant fit to this Cowboys defense. That's your prototype, free safety, single high, that would go a long way in this Dan Quinn's defense, in my opinion. Now, Michael says, trade down. I was just talking about this earlier on Twitter, at NFL. it's M-A-U-NFL, M-A-U for Mauricio. I get tired of the trade down conversation. Like, sure, if you're wiped out, and Joey Ikes actually chimed in on that tweet of mine, with that take. He says, trading down is good if you're wiped out. 
But if the argument behind trading down is, oh, I like this player, but you can get him a little bit later, then that's just, in my opinion, not as easy as it seems. And trading down is, to me, only viable if you are wiped out and you don't know what to do and you need some time to regroup. Or if it's a super specific situation like last year when the Cowboys traded down from 10 to 12. But even then, the Cowboys would not have traded down if Patrick Sorting was there. And we would have never find out how good Michael Parsons could have been in Dallas. But hey, Stephen Jones sometime uh, at some point even admitted that they were going for the cornerbacks. Ended up working out for the Cowboys. And also for Denver, by the way, Sorting has been great for them. Guard and offensive tackle are the thinnest three, maybe four starters, says Stephen White. Interested in, in, in finding out what Josh Ball what Josh Ball's situation is with the Cowboys. Not a fan of the off-the-field issues for Ball, but also from a talent standpoint, we didn't hear much from him because of the injuries in his rookie year. Gregory says, I haven't seen Linderbaum fall to 24 in any mock draft yet. Well, to be fair, I, I, I have seen that. Not very common. Uh, mostly, he's been a top 20 pick. But actually, last night on the mock draft that we put together via the Draft Network Simulator, we took uh, Tyler Linderbaum because he was there. Some, who, who are? Now, I will pose this question out to the chat before we leave. Who is your ideal, maybe, or your dream pick? Uh, Slim says Jordan Davis. T-Mac, I believe, had also said... Jordan Davis. Some people agreed with the Tyler Linderbaum pick. I'm all for, for Linderbaum. Trade some of that salary cap for picks, says Sin City. You know, the Cowboys say that they love their draft picks. But if that was possible, they would trade the draft picks to get more cap space. That's something that you will not convince me otherwise. <laughs> if that was possible, they would straight up do so. Both Jordan Davis and Linderbaum, says Samuel Rowe. Jacob says offensive line help. Yeah, and the thing is, if the center is there and the guards are there too, I'm taking Linderbaum all day. Even though I don't, even though I have offensive guard as my top need for the Cowboys and center not even in the top three of needs, because hey, Tyler Viadish might not be great, but he will get the job done. Even so, I would go for, for Linderbaum because I like him a lot. And I talked about this, what? I think it was last night during the mock draft. People complain about the arm length for, for Tyler. But it shouldn't, shouldn't be much of an issue. And, and yeah, at center, everything is a little bit messier there. And I think Linderbaum can get away with it. Kenyon Green or Sion Johnson, says Charlene Evans. I think I like... Uh, Green as the most likely pick for the Cowboys. That's the one that I believe he might be there likely. He, he might likely be there. But anyways, Jordan Davis would allow Parsons and Leighton Vanderich to run free, says Michael. Sure, I agree with that. And last night, 
my second round draft pick for the Cowboys was Travis Jones. And I said that the Cowboys might never do that because we are used to the Cowboys undervaluing one techniques, no stackles, and anything of the sort. But I this morning, I proclaimed myself an optimist that if he's there at 56, the Cowboys could very well draft Travis Jones, even if it goes against what we know about this front office. I believe it can happen. I believe Dan Quinn can make a push for him. Because you know what? Travis Jones would directly help the Cowboys defense uh, at, their weak, at their weakness. You know how we talked at the beginning of the show about the Cowboys being a top three defense? They were number two. They were number three overall. Number two versus the pass. Number 20 versus the run in EPA per play. And you know what? I was reading and I want to touch on this later in another episode maybe when we do a deep dive on the topic. But there's a book called The Art of Smart Football and they dedicate a chapter to that Legion of Boom defense. And while everybody talks about what they did on the backside, uh, with, with the, not backside, backfield defensively with Sherman and all of them, they also kind of revolutionized defense by combining one-gap players and two-gap players on their same defense, right? Like there were one-gap defenses and two-gap defenses, and the Seahawks started to, to mix it uh, up a little bit. And I think that a guy like Travis Jones helps you do that. But we might talk about that more in depth at some point in the future. Anyways, I'm an optimist that they can get Travis Jones. But anyways, guys, I will see you Sunday night. Hope that you enjoy your weekend. It's been fun talking to you. Uh, make sure that you hit the like button, share the show. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, let your friends know about ADC Sports Dallas. And hey, thank you for being here. I will see you Sunday night. Hit the like button. Primetime brought to you by our friends over at FreemanMazda.net. Check out Skywalker Steel tomorrow morning. Now, next week, the goal is for us to do a crossover series. So I would be in Sky's show and he would be in primetime at some point of the week. We're just waiting to make that official. Uh, need to reach out. To get uh, to you know get the dates right. Anyways, thank you guys. See you on Sunday. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you very much. Bye bye.